The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we got to talk some USC football. Big win up in the Bay Area. The Weekender, USC gets a 41-17 victory over Justin Wilcox and the California Golden Bears. And we're going to talk all about it with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or on Instagram, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Also, go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. He does lots of shows Breaking down USC football. He tweets during the games. We love to talk to him each and every week, and we're going to do that again right here. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is where you can get a hold of us. I have our email. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail by calling 424-254-9141. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We're all over the place. Subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating, some kind of positive review. Tell your friends about the Peristyle Podcast. Season's coming to an end. This was season uh, number 12 for us, which is crazy here on the Peristyle Podcast. So season 13 coming up next year. But we want to get to that. We still got to finish off this season, and we're going to do that with the coach. What's up, coach? How are you? I'm doing great, Ryan. I'll tell you, another, as you just mentioned, another great quick college football uh, a year, I guess I should say, year, but it's not done yet. There's a lot of football to be played, and one of the biggest rivalries in football history is USC-UCLA. And now, Ryan, guess what? We have a decent kickoff time. Plus, when you look at the rankings in the college football playoffs, you see the collision course of Oregon and Utah possibly in the Pac-12 championship game. And you look at Utah, they're 9-1. and one. Six and one in conference. They'd probably be four or five in the country in ranking if it wasn't for the Trojans who beat him in the Coliseum. Who was the quarterback? Matt Fink, when you look back at it. Matt Fink, I know. It's like third string quarterback, biggest win of the season for Clay Helton. And this one, coach, might have been right up there. Uh, you could say argue the the Matt Fink one because Utah you know, they're the favorite in the South and all that, and they control their own destiny. But that was a huge win for USC and doing it with a third-string quarterback, like you mentioned, with Matt Fink. But this one, Coach, was Clay Helton's first time playing in front of his new boss uh, in person. So Mike Bone, the new athletic director, was up there, Strawberry Canyon, checking everything out, talking with Larry Scott in the booth. So this was a really big win. It was a 60-minute performance. 
Uh, I know Mike Bowen saw the the Oregon game, which was not pretty. Uh, Arizona State, where you come up with this hot start, but you just don't play the last three quarters. This was a game they put it all together, Coach. And and to me, it was you know maybe the most complete performance of the year. And I think Clay Elton needed it because, like I said, Mike Bone was there watching. So, I, I mean, did you feel like this was a, a full 60-minute game for them? Well, yes. Uh, I think they played well at times. There's still things they have to work on. I don't want to get you too excited. Okay. First of all, first of all about Mike Bone being able to watch the game. Because if you saw that shot in the press box, Larry Scott was trying to tell him, <clears throat> excuse me, what a great job he's been doing with the uh, you know Pac-12 and all the television uh, revenues and, and direct TV. So he was talking his ear so darn much, I don't think Mike had a chance to watch a game. But uh, he was there, and they were con- uh, having a conversation. But I think it's a lot easier to watch a team win 41-17 to than it is to get beat at home in the Coliseum. But uh, congratulations to... The Trojans, anytime you win in conference, anytime you win at all, whether it's ugly, pretty, or whatever, it counts as a W. And I want to congratulate the young man from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, Kendon Slovis. What a what a player he has turned out to be when you're thrilled for 406 yards two, two weeks in a row. Uh, and through under duress, too. I thought he was being rushed a lot and had to run around and make adjustments and throw the football and find the open receiver. I thought he did a great job there. I'm real concerned. I'm not going to get too much involved, but uh, let's give some credit to Mike Pittman and what a leadership job he does and how he runs after he catches the football. 11 catches, 180 yards for 16.4 average. But I'm still very, very concerned with the rushing game. You can't be a great football team by just passing the football in the last three games, 21 yards, 77 yards, and 56 yards rushing the football. As much as you want to look at the, the offense and the air raid attack and all of that, uh, that that's important. But if you don't play physical football and when you need to run the football, uh, you can't. But the kids really play hard. And I want to tell everybody that from the first game, these kids have gone out there on both sides of the football and really played hard. They believe in themselves. I think they have a lot of fun, too. If you watch them on the sidelines, sometimes a little bit too much fun. But it's fun winning. And when you're able to win 41-17 to 17 and you're not trying to look over your shoulder or have Kristen Rector make an interception to hold on to beat Arizona State. And uh, if we have time, I want to talk about Kristen Rector's targeting call, too. But that's enough. For an opening. Yeah, that's a good opening. Well, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. You mentioned uh, Keaton Slovis. Three times he's gone over 400 yards this season, which is crazy. Sam Darnold only did that once. Michael Pittman, he just came out. He's on the uh, Bolitnikoff um, semifinal list. I, I hate the uh, the watch list and all that stuff where they list 100 players. That's just dumb. But now there's down to like 12 people or something. Like, okay, uh, Michael Pittman's in that group. So good, good to mention him. I, I was listening to... I think it was uh, Pete Thamel on one of his podcasts, and he gave his like you know, weekly Heisman to uh, Keaton Slovis uh, for another great performance. And this is a really good Cal defense. Where I want to get uh, Curtis from Marino Valley likes to call in, and uh, he's a very positive guy. 
I talked this Cal defense is really good. The uh the the secondary had 21 interceptions last year and they returned everybody. This year not so much. They only have four picks and obviously they didn't look great trying to cover these USC receivers, but we'll play his voicemail coach and then get your thoughts on USC's offensive performance. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Ryan, I agree with you. Cal was one of the best defenses in the country. Great DBs, great linebackers. Uh, Oregon only scored 19 points on them. I think at Oregon, we just blew them out. They look like little children playing against our wide receivers. I have a problem uh, with that. Well, because we um, should have scored more points on them. Clay Helton was too merciful. He took out all his starters the whole fourth quarter. He could have scored 60, 75 points like Ohio State did uh, the other day. But he's he's just a nice man. Good luck to him. Watch out. Khalil Tate might beat Utah at Arizona next week. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Curtis, I'm sorry I interrupted you when you were playing that. Uh, don't pause on me because yeah. I think you're done, and I want to make sure <laughs> that you complete your question, and I apologize for that. I, I think it was a great performance by USC, and I think that if you've been following me uh, on my Twitter or if you listen to this regularly, I don't know if I do it on the podcast, I've been talking about throw the ball down the field throw the ball to the middle of the field that way their safeties can help for you help them on their fly and different routes that they run deep and it'll open up the entire football field for them and they did hit a nice pass to uh uh let's see who they kept st brown down the middle of the field and also Pittman down the middle of the field and whenever you have mismatches with michael Pittman on a defensive back if the ball's near michael Pittman, he's going to take it away and Drake London, the same type of receiver. They're working well together. And, of course, Solis did a great job of finding them. So uh, as far as scoring 50, 60, 70 points, I don't know if that really proves anything. What I'd have done, Curtis, is what Oregon does. He did it uh, at Arizona. When you're up on somebody that big and that far, I work on the things that I don't do very well. That's a time I can still keep my starters in the game, and rather than throw the ball all over the field, I want to learn execution on the things I don't do very well, and that's the running game. The series <clears throat> make people see things that they have to stop defensively in your next game. Uh, if they did have a draw, which they don't have when they throw the ball so many times or a couple of screens, I'd throw that in there too. Uh, when you pass the football as much as USC does, they've got to have something to cut down on the rush to make those defensive linemen sort of wait and read or fake the draw and throw the pass or whatever. And again, I keep talking about, you know, uh, having some series and move the pocket and have some bootlegs and get away from some of your tendencies that you have on the formations that you have with the tight end in the game. And I think if you could utilize both of those techniques when you're up with someone as big as you are, you become a better football team. But, uh, you know, scoring's important, winning's important, but also becoming a better football team is important too, Curtis. And I'm sure you know enough for football about that to understand. Yeah, uh, thanks, Curtis, for the call there. And, Coach, um, 
you know, the offensive performance, especially the passing game, just absolutely ridiculous to go against a really tough Cal defense. And uh, but the you know I think that you you mentioned the concern with the run game before. Um, kind of curious to get your thoughts. I, I you know Donnie in Orange County texted this to us, and he says I keep hearing how excited some people are about the possibility of getting some of the running backs back. Well, it's nice to have a full stable. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't recall a game this season where the running backs took over and dominated or made a huge impact with the exception of Marquis Stepp uh, and Keenan Christen, who we already have. I almost feel like we're better off with Keenan. And, uh, I, you know, you mentioned that the rushing totals have not been great these past few games when, uh, you know, all three running backs were hurt. Now, Stephen Carr came back in this game. Uh, Donnie, there have been other dominant performances, though. I mean, Marquis Stepp, you know, you know he has. Vi Malapai had 134 rushing yards against Fresno State with a touchdown. He scored two touchdowns against Stanford. He had 96 yards in a TD against BYU, plus he had three catches for 28 yards. Uh, Carr had 99 yards and two touchdowns against Fresno State. He also had nine, uh, 94 yards on seven carries against Washington. So I think all of these running backs have contributed, and I, I don't – to me, see, I, I think Keaton Christian's doing some really nice things, but I, I would much rather have him paired with somebody else and sharing you know, some of that load. I don't know. What do you think, Coach? Well, I think that the running backs over the last couple of weeks have become receivers, and uh, they are used a lot in their passing routes, and obviously, obviously you can see that. And uh, I don't think you can just do that. I think you be, you have to be able to go north and south when you have to go north and south. And I think you have to show some toughness when you need to have toughness. And uh, now I hate to say this after a nice win like that, but if you're going to go anywhere in college football, you got to be able to run the football. You can't be soft. And you can't depend on the pass all the time. You've got to be able to run the football, and that, of course, makes your defense a better defense, too, as far as uh, when you practice against you and also when you keep them off the field, when you don't score so fast. But uh, I think that uh, they need to work on that. I don't think they really have uh, the running game in their arsenal. I don't think it's a priority whatsoever and they don't have any running series or move the pocket or jet sweep or bootleg keep or anything uh, where you just can't key on the one running back and all of a sudden when you key on the one running back it's all over with if you watch the athletic quarterbacks in the nfl today they're causing havoc as far as the way they run around and, and they become the second running back and what these other great teams are doing as far as the athletic quarterback, but you can take a kid like Slovis and continue his growth by building a running game around him that can be really awesome. And uh, they have decided or they have chosen not to do that. And, of course, that's their, that's their thinking. And uh, I have to commend them. They did throw the ball well. But, you know, you just don't win championships without running the football. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's uh, it's. I, I think the the running game was doing all right before everybody got hurt, and then they sort of went to the, you know, they're throwing the football a lot more than I, than they were before. It was a closer to fifty fifty split with run pass, and now it's just not been that way. And you saw a couple, you know, huge performances by Keaton Slovis, so they're they're at least taking advantage of the talent uh, that they have uh, on the defensive side of the football, coach. Um, you know. Different start to the game where Clay Helton said he wanted to 
kind of set the tone with his defense and his, his kickoff coverage. Uh, his kickoff team, uh, Cal goes down the field and scores on the opening touchdown. Uh, you know, scores a touchdown on the opening drive. And on that drive, uh, you know, Christian Rector uh, gets ejected for targeting. So I want to get your thoughts on that. But after that first drive, uh, no more touchdowns for uh, for Cal until, you know, garbage time. Um, what did you think of how this defense kind of uh, bounced back after giving up that opening touchdown? Well, I think they uh, bounced back. First of all, I don't know if Cal was trying to throw the game or not. But uh, USC kicked off a lot of times, and when you're down by 20 points or whatever, you don't fair catch it, okay, on the 5- and 10-yard line. That was weird because USC's given up a lot of big plays. I think that's a good strategy normally, but USC gives up a lot of big plays in the kickoff return. I'm not sure why Cal was doing that. It doesn't make any type of sense why you wouldn't challenge their kickoff coverage. And they just gave it up, 25-yard line, every single play. And I'm saying, hey, what am I telling my team when we're fair catching it where maybe I'll be able to break one of these and we'll get back in the game and the momentum of the game would change and we'd have a chance. It's more or less uh, throwing the towel in. That would look like to me, I don't know, they have a rule back there, but there's a time you use that rule and a time when you're trying to win. I think the defense uh, uh, got a break when uh, the starting quarterback got knocked out. I saw the air sort of come out of the the balloon. And then, of course, when, as you just mentioned a minute ago, Kristen Rector made that hit on Brown that knocked out their number one running back. So they lost their number one running back and their quarterback. All what I thought were legal hits. Uh, a lot of people, of course, uh, the quarterback was uh, one with Jackson, did a real uh, sack job on him on the outside. I think it was a key play. And then, of course, uh, Kristen Rector. Now, I want to talk about targeting for a moment, and a lot of you will disagree with me. Now, I want you to know that safety is the number one thing that you want on a football field. I know there's such things as the crackback block. I, I agree with that. I don't believe in chop blocking. I don't believe in the clipping, blocking below the waist from the outside. I don't believe in any of those type of late hits in any way. But when you have a opportunity and you don't know how to control your body, such as Kristen Rector was called for, that was an unavoidable situation. First of all, the offensive line of Cal never blocked him. They missed the block. Their blocking assignments were messed up. He was even surprised himself with the momentum that he fired across the offensive line into the backfield, two yards deep at least, hitting Brown at a full pace, full full speed. And Brown saw him coming, so the first thing Brown would do is try to defend himself and lower his helmet to try to, you know, it's a natural move. And he hit him. Now, they still had to review it to see exactly how close that was. But that's an unavoidable targeting. I don't buy that at all. That's part of football. Well, how do you stop that? How would he have stopped his momentum? How would he have not been able to do that? I asked that question, and I don't know how that would have happened. Now you take the team captain, you walk him off the field, you walk him to the locker room. The only thing they didn't do is handcuff him. He didn't do it intentionally. You walk him off with the sheriff to the locker room. He has to sit in the locker room, watch the game, and now against UCLA, 
He's going to be sitting in the locker room watching the game in full gear, a captain, not being able to play. And are they going to allow him to come out for the coin flip? Are they going to allow him to warm up? They probably allow him to warm up. But I think they've got to really evaluate such a hit as not a dirty play, but a targeting play where you really can alter your angle and make a tackle legally. But when you have an unavoidable type of collision, that was a collision rather than a targeting, I think you've got to look at that, the rules committee. You've got to look at that. That wasn't either kid's fault. It was protection, and it was how do I change my angle? What, what should I have done differently? And you can't teach it. Yeah. So I really think that he was really um, not treated right, and I want to make a statement on that. If you're an official out there, an parent out there, whatever, I'm for safety, believe me. But that was unavoidable. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think, you know, by the let Clay Helton in his conference call said by the letter of the law, you know, you the crown of your helmet targeting. But to me, it just looks like a football play. It's it's one of those things where no one knows exactly what it is. It could be called. It couldn't be called. And uh, that's I, they got to do something with the rule. I mean, they've made some tweaks. They fixed some things. But, man, it's just uh, it's tough. It's a tough situation right now. So. Um, let's see, let's go to a question from Gary. He says, uh, Ryan defensive genius, Justin Wilcox holds true freshman Keaton Slovis to 406 yards and four touchdowns with a first time starting center. And without, uh, our starting tailback, we have a chance to go nine and four. I want clay gone as much as the next guy, but this was a good road win. It certainly was. Yeah. Uh, Helton haters claim he's the worst coach in America. Heck. He's not even the worst coach in California. Wilcox, Chip Kelly, David Shaw. Let's give credit where credit is due for one week. Fight on, beat the Bruins. Uh, Gary, class of 1975. No, I, I give him credit. That was a great win. If you stayed up and saw the finish, I don't know how many people stayed up. I do a Sunday morning <laughs> show, and people were calling to see what the score was. I mean, the game started at 8 p.m. I don't know. I, I do that show after the game, Ryan, you know. And I was doing the first quarter wrap-up. <laughs> <laughs> First quarter wrap-up for an hour. I mean, it really, it was unbelievable. Game was over with at 11.30, so for all of you that made it till the end, I did. Uh, I had to, and you did too, Ryan. But that's a late start time, and congratulations to the Trojan football program. Yeah, it's funny. We got a text from uh, Marcel in the Inland Empire. He said, I fell asleep. I didn't see the end of the USC game. Is the Pac-12 okay with this? And that's on the West Coast. Like, you're the East Coast guy. I mean, that game started at 11 p.m. Um, no, it did. I had a buddy that went to the Michigan, Michigan State game, and he was a big SC guy, okay? He's in his room watching the game. He calls me first thing in the morning. He says, who won? Who won? He says, I fell asleep. I tried to stay awake. And I told him, but uh, I'll tell you, that's, I don't know. Eight o'clock starting time. I just don't uh, like it, but great starting time for this week's UCLA game. Yeah, twelve thirty is uh, is a lot better. So uh, much, much, much better. Now, not great for tailgating, but great for us that are going to be working, like in the press box or working the game. Then you're not there until three or four in the morning, which uh, my team was up there in Berkeley. Um, all right, so it, I want to. If you have any other thoughts on the game, because most everything else. Well, here we have one more. Um, uh, and then we'll get into a lot of it's the future stuff, a lot of Clay Helton talk. So we'll, if you want other game stuff, but real quick, Jim B says, Hey guys, great podcast. Keep up the good, keep up the good work. 
My question is, what's going on with Brew McCoy? Is he still with the team? Is he practicing with the team? What's his current status? Fight on, uh, Jim B. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, Clahelton announced that, um, you know, Brew McCoy wasn't going to play this year. So he'll he'll be back. Uh, you'll see him in the spring practicing. He's not practicing with the team. Um, you've seen some of the other guys come back from injuries like Kyle Ford and stuff. Uh, but we, you know, Brew McCoy, uh, he's, Clay Alton said a couple weeks ago, you weren't going to see him. Um, but anything else, coach, on the game before we jump into like bigger picture stuff? Because that's what a lot of people want to hear about. Well, uh, no, just defensively, I like to see him do the twist a little bit more and the defensive line and try to confuse the offensive lineman a little bit. Uh, they created some turnovers, which I really like. You can see the momentum of the game, and people get excited when they had the interceptions. I think that's great. Really gives you an extra shot of momentum. Uh, we've talked about the targeting call. I think that they got to sort of sure up the perimeter. And, of course, against UCLA, they're going to try to attack the outside, too, as everybody else did. They'll try to run quarterback keeps and bootlegs and all of that. But I think one thing for sure is when you get a guy back there that's not sure as far as a quarterback, go after him. I think that when Hufunga went after him the one time and others went after him a couple times, it really shakes that quarterback up, and it really takes a lot of confidence because he never knows when you're coming now and when you really are coming. So I think you got to do a little bit more of that. If you notice, they really went after Chris Steele a lot early in the game. They went after him. They got one pass interference on him. But in their game plan, they were going to attack him, and they did. And I thought he did a pretty good job. Uh, they did get some, some completions, but in their game plan, plan, it was part of their thought to go after Chris Steele. That's basically it. Uh, uh, there, there isn't a lot more to talk about, you know, unless you get into techniques and all of that. Yeah, the, I mean, I you feel bad because, like, Chase Garber's waited all that time to come back. Cal's a different team when he's the quarterback. Um, it was a 10-7 game at the time, and uh, – and even Devin Monster, I, I, it was unfortunate for Devin Monster because he played really well the week before, but then was disappointed on Wednesday when he found out he wasn't going to be the starter. And he just didn't look the same. He looked like a bad Devin Monster. Last week, he looked like good Devin Monster. So that's sort of all. I think that worked in USC's favor a little bit. But, you know, that I, you know USC took great advantage of it. Um, you know, not having uh, Christopher Brown Jr. out there. Certainly not having Chase Garbers. The Cal offense just looked anemic at that point, and USC completely stomped on them and took advantage. We've seen this team not do that at times, so give them credit because they did. You know, USC kept scoring. They scored in every quarter. Um, I Yeah, I thought it was more of a complete overall win. All right. And I, have to, I have to mention special teams, too. Oh, sorry. McGrath, okay. Sure. No, that's all right. It just, just to complete it. McGrath, four for four, two field goals. Congratulations. And Dan Griffin, uh, three punts for 50-yard average. Uh, like to see that average get up there where it should be, but we've seen his leg when he demonstrates the power of it and how it changes field position and everything. So let's sort of touch on it all. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, get into some more questions about the future of the program. Uh, some people get nervous when USC gets a big win like this because something they want to happen might not happen. Uh, I'll play this voicemail for you and get your thoughts. Hello, Ryan and Coach Hyde. Uh, this is Guy from Lake Balboa again, just as scared as I was last week when I called in the Dan Weber uh, version of the of the, of the uh, podcast. I think that USC, I, I, it, it tends to come up with these cosmetic uh, victories 
uh, towards the end of the season that are just palliatives for people who, for some bizarre reason, want to retain um, Coach Helton. We've seen what his weakness in, in practice is, his weak climate that he has in the, on the team, his weak culture results in. It's time to act now, strike while the poker's hot, fire Clay Helton despite what happens for the rest of the year, and hire, hopefully, Urban Meyer, but if not, the next best candidate because we're, we're 65th or 70th in recruiting. That's unacceptable and bodes very ill for the future. We need to turn those recruits around with somebody like Urban Meyer. Thank you. Fight on. Well, thank you, and I think that's the talk around town. Uh, probably all your um, your questions regard that, and it's very interesting uh, because, first of all, <clears throat> it's a difficult thing to talk about uh, replacing a coach at seven and four, and possibly that can be eight and four. And then it's also disturbing when I hear they talk about coaches who might replace him, one uh, that you know he beat in the Rose Bowl game. So I say, wait a minute, how is that going to set when people say this coach gets a job and with Sam Darnold, uh, Clay Helton beat him in the Rose Bowl game in one of the most exciting victories. So I start to say, you better get your ducks lined up, the university, no matter what your plans are. And it's not just fire Clay Helton. It's evaluate your football program on where you are and where you want it to be. And when you look at a success at a program, you don't just look at the win and loss record. You look at the recruiting, you look at the staff, you look at the progress of the players, you look at the image of the program, you look at your attendance as far as at the games, the donations, the interest in your football program. All of the above, you look at everything, and then you go to the thing that's the future of your football program, and you mentioned it, that's recruiting. I don't care who your coach is. If you don't have football players, you're not going to win football games. And you've got to have that, and when you look at it's more or less embarrassing as far as when you see where they're ranked in the Pac-12, I believe it's 11th, Ryan, 77th or something in the country. As you said, that's not acceptable for USC. And what does the future uh, tell you? What is the thoughts of the image of USC football by the local athletes and the national athletes and the media? They're not even ranked anywhere in the top 25 <laughs> in San Diego State down the freeway is. So think about that. So I think you have to look at everything and say, where are we headed? What are we going to do? What's our future? Yeah. Clay Helton, if he wasn't the type of person he was, good man. Good man. Like so much, he'd have probably been gone last year. Okay? Because of what the program and the success of the program and what it demonstrated then. But because of who he is and how much people like him, he's been able to hold on and they wanted to give him another chance. And he's got that chance, and also at the same time, the past athletic director, Swan, gave him an extension. So he knows what he buys in for, and you don't feel sorry for coaches because they know what they have to produce and what they have to do. 
Clay has had 10 great years at USC. He even says it himself. It's a dream. He's living a dream. And he's got, you've got to look at everything on the whole picture. And this is not my responsibility to, to teach people like the college president or the trustees or the athletic director. They know inside what the feeling is and what they want and what they expect. Now, if they want a football program that's dominant, then you've got to get someone who's done it before on the regular basis, not somebody who's still trying to do it. So my feeling, if there is going to be a replacement, and I'm not advocating that, I'm just saying if there is, you better do it right or don't do it. Yeah. Agree with you there, Coach. And, uh, you know, for the for for Clay Helton, 5-7 and seven last year was uh, unacceptable. And I think for 2019, you had to go all, all out. And losing four or potentially five games is not the way that, that's not going all out. So to me, it, it just wasn't enough. It's nice. It's a nice season. It's better than, you know, after three and three start, it's a lot better than it was before. But, you know, at that point, you know, you were uh, eight and 10 in your last like 18 games, or I think it was eight and 11 in your last 18 games. That's, that's not good enough. So having a nice comeback against the bottom dwellers of the PAC 12 is not something to me that would be enough to save Clay Helton's job. But this was a really good win against a, you know, that's a legit defense and the the offense put up a lot of points. Uh, this one is from, let's see. Uh, it says, even if USC wins out, the last couple of teams on our schedule are not great. Do you think Mike Bone will see USC beating those teams as progress or will he see what we fans see and see that we are a talented team that does good against struggling teams but can't get it done against teams that matter? This is my fear, is that he will see us uh, winning out as a sign of great things to come, and there is a lot of work to do, and Clay Helton just can't get it done. Thanks for listening. Fight on, I guess. And didn't leave a name on that one. Sorry about that. Well, you know, let's don't get too carried away on who USC has beaten. If you go back and you look at the record, you talk about a great Cal defense. But look at Cal's record. I mean, uh, they they haven't really performed. Washington hasn't really showed up to be the type of team you thought they should have been. Uh, when you look at these teams, uh, Arizona State, they're struggling. They can't win. Uh, you know, Arizona. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to put teams down. But I don't, when I start to think about it, UCLA and these teams, you know, they won three in a row, but who'd they beat? Yeah, they beat a team that USC couldn't beat, uh, but uh, still. Oh, no, they didn't play Washington State, but they beat Washington State. But what has Washington State done? I mean, yeah, they beat a Stanford, but how good is Stanford? They might not make a bowl game for the first time in 11 years. So where is the strength of the conference? I think the coach of the year this year should be Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. I hope he wins one more game so he can go to a bowl game. He's done a great job of coaching. Oregon, dominant. Utah, dominant. I think these two teams are the class of the conference, but everybody else is sort of mixed in there. They're sort of the same. Anybody can beat anybody on every, every given day, and because USC has great athletes too, they can outperform you when they're hot and you're not ready to play. And I'm not saying the other guys weren't ready to play, but think about it. They had to hang on to beat Arizona State. You saw what happened there and some of these other wins that they've had. So, yeah, I give them credit. They're 7-4. and four. 
And they could have beaten Notre Dame. And all these could-haves and should-haves and all of this and that, the same way the other way. Some of these wins they got, they could have lost. So that's what you have to look at. Evaluate the conference, the strength of your conference, and the way I always looked at it. I don't want to be like everybody else. Who's winning this conference? Who's winning the national championship? Who's making the final four? That's what I want to recruit to, and that's what I want to play like. Now, the university has to decide if that's what they want to do. So, you know, it's not, we could talk about this, Brian, like I said last week. We could talk about this, you and I and everybody else. doesn't make any difference. It's what they want and what they're satisfied with. And, uh, you know, it's not an easy – to me, it's an easy decision, okay? But to them, I don't know what they're struggling about. Yeah. Um, we got one from Rodney Strong, uh, Sergeant Rodney Strong. Thanks for your service, Rodney. He said, well, it was a good win. And to have this victory in front of the athletic director, no less. I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. It makes me nervous that Mike Bone is going to look at this win as proof to keep Clay Helton. So we've seen this before and would think uh, that we are back uh, to the promised land under Helton. USC is just an eight win at best team and he will never win a championship with him. If Helton is retained, I'm going to scream and never turn on the TV until USC brings in a coach that we all know for sure will get us. To the promised land. Thanks for uh, all you guys do and letting me vent. Uh, fight on. That's uh, Sergeant Rodney Strong. Well, let me let me tell you my feeling. And I talked to a lot of people and listened to a lot of you as far as your comments and so on. And I talk a lot of, with other people. I think this decision by the university is a huge decision. The only other person they could hire if they don't hire Urban Meyer is Ed Orgeron. And he's not coming, okay? They had their chance at Ed Orgeron, and the athletic director at that time broke his heart. He was here one day, spoke to the team, was gone, and he said in the article that you read on, I don't know, a couple of days ago, that it was the best thing that happened to him because he's back down at home. They sent a picture out on social media showing them all standing together, John Robinson, the defensive line coach, and him all in LSU gear sort of a throwback to USC. Uh, I think that if they don't hire Urban Meyer, this is just my opinion. All of us have opinions. I think it'd be the second worst decision they make since they didn't hire Ed Orgeron. Now, with that, I'm going to say all of you that are asking me these questions and making the statements you're making, if that's true, again, that's going to be a negative or have a negative impact on USC football. And no matter who they hire, what impression does that make to high school coaches and players that they had a chance to get Urban Meyer and they didn't? Now what did they say? Well, why wouldn't they have got him? I would have played for him. Who's this other guy? So you've got to look at all of this. It impacts this whole university, Southern California, the whole thing. He's the only coach, if he doesn't take it, Ed Orgeron won't take it, that can come into Southern California and be a star. You've got to be a star now. In Southern California, you've got a lot of programs. And the way they're evaluated is by the papers evaluate what people want to hear and who they want to read about. Number one, Lakers. Number two, the Dodgers. 
Number three, it's USC. It's USC over the Rams, the Clippers, the, the, the Chargers, UCLA, the hockey teams. It's USC. And you got to have a LeBron James. And you got to have a Kawhi Stewart. And you got to have those type of people that the Dodgers have and so on to play big time football, be big time. Now, if USC wants to be big time in their big time renovated Coliseum, then dot the I and make yourself one of those. Get a superstar that's on the front page that people want to go and listen to him speak and 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 renew their season tickets and fill the Coliseum. All I can do is lecture. I didn't get paid for this. <laughs> but, but the point of it is, it's common sense to me, Ryan. It's just common sense. Yeah. We have uh, another voicemail. This one has a poem in it, Coach. I don't know if we've had a poem for a while on the podcast. Help play it. Hey, Ryan and company. This is Anonymous. The person you once knew is Don from Chicago. My takeaway from the Cal game, how talented we are and what a waste this season has been. So I wrote a poem to summarize my thoughts. Here goes. There once was a coach named Clay who insisted that he wanted to stay. His teams played scrappy, but mostly crappy. And now it's time for Clay to go away. What do you think, guys? I yield the balance of my time. Anonymous. Well, uh, <laughs> it sort of rhymed. Yeah. But I don't know, you know, on all the words and so on, it's there. But uh, what he's basically telling us is what we just talked about in a yeah. way that what the feeling is in the community as the USC Trojans uh, alumnus. Yeah. And they shouldn't send him to us. They should send him to the university or to somebody that cares in the ticket office or to Mike Bowen, too, just to let him know. I think they I don't know if they know, but they should know what the feeling is. And uh, who knows, you know? Yeah. We'll see what happens. And I'll tell you, it's got to happen pretty soon if something's going to happen. Otherwise, so be it. It's got to happen fast. All right, we're going to take a real quick break, come back, a couple questions left. Back in a minute. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We have Dr. John that wrote in, Coach. He said he's worried. He said, for Ryan, Coach, I'm a 45-year donor and season ticket holder, doctor degree, class of 73. I'm worried that Coach Meyer is not athletic director in athletic director Mike Bone's plans. I have a feeling that Clayton will stay or someone else will be picked that doesn't have Coach Meyer's resume I hope A.D. Bone listens to your podcast. The fans and alumni will lose it if he doesn't even offer the position to Coach Meyer. I know that if he is overlooked, I will stop my donations and season tickets. 
That means someone else will have to pay the ridiculous contributions and the extra seat charge at the Coliseum in order to get my four seats. Why would A.D. Bone risk his reputation on a mediocre selection? He already has Colorado State in his rearview mirror. Please tell us if any, uh, if you have any information or a strong gut feeling that this upcoming selection is going the wrong way. Dr. John, class of 73, and he's been a Peristyle uh, subscriber on uscfootball.com for several years. Well, thanks for that, Dr. John. Well, Dr. John, you just go along with the sentiment of everybody else that's been uh, <laughs> emailing us. I mean, uh, we, we comment on them because uh, you want our opinion, and we do do that. Now, the only reason I could even think of that the university or the athletic director wouldn't hire Urban Meyer was he's too big. He's too powerful. How would they all handle that, the other sports and everybody else? But you can't worry about that. He'd bring light to the other sports because there'd be more revenue for the other sports. You'd be on national TV more. You'd have better game times because the whole nation wants to watch Urban Meyer. He's that type of name. And when he puts his staff together, or maybe he might be a little bit too demanding when he comes in and has an interview, if they do have an interview, because everybody would know where they interview. And I've always said where I'd interview Urban Meyer, I'd pick him up at an airport in my Learjet, and we'd fly around and around and around L.A., and I'd show him all of L.A. and the beautiful areas of L.A., and then I'd say, here's a contract. Write down on this list everything you need. Let's figure it out. And then I'd say the pilot would call and say, We've got a quarter of a tank of gas left. Hope you guys hurry it up. And we keep circling, and then the pilot comes back on. He says, the red light is on. We're running low, and I've got to get clearance. And then all of a sudden, Urban is say, are you serious about this? And we, we certainly are. We're going to go with you and go down with the ship and get him to sign it. And then land. Nice. I like I'm it, Coach. Tell you, I'm just going to tell you that. Because the impact of it on the entire university, financially, nationally, the impact of it will be tremendous. It'll be a b- bigger impact, and don't tell the college president this, but bigger than her being named, bigger than the AD being named, it'd be picked up everywhere. Yeah. Okay? Picked up everywhere. Now, when you get picked up everywhere, you might have done something. You'll hear some negative stuff, but that's all right. Everybody's got negative stuff, Okay. Just blow it off. Everybody, you know, gets a speeding ticket. Everybody shouldn't be going over the speed limit. How many times do you people out there have gone over or not the speeding limit? Okay, admit it. Okay, so to win, you sometimes have got to be in the left-hand lane all the time. So uh, I just feel this way. I'm strongly feeling this way, and I'd give him complete control of every single position that falls under football. Every single one, all the way down, let him be his people. When I went to UNLV, I let everybody go. Everybody. Secretaries and everything. And then I made them reapply. And the reason they reapplied, I wanted them working for me. I didn't want them working for the past coach, and I held him over. If I hired them back, it's because I'm your boss now. You'll do it my way. I don't want you to hear you tell me we can't do that or we didn't do it that way before. So you've got to give him this type of control in order for him to accept this type of job. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Coach. And I think 
for the people that are worried, here's the, there's a couple things that, you know, there's roadblocks, certainly. On the USC side, uh, it's very important, but it's also important on the Urban Meyer side. The USC side is what USC can control. The, the USC side is what USC screwed up for years. And that's why you bring in a guy like Mike Bone, and he want, would want to go after someone like Urban Meyer because it's the it's the white whale. It's out, it's the the number one no brainer. You want to fix everything. He's your guy. You have to do whatever you can to make it happen. And there's roadblocks. And it could be if the president of the university isn't really on board. Uh, maybe some of the members of the sixty person board of trustees isn't on board. But you have to get as Mike Bone. You have to kind of rally that support. And convince everybody, this is what we have to do. Then when you say, okay, that's the person you want, then you have to say, and we're going to do everything possible to get him. Not some half-assed effort to like, well, we'll see if he wants it or blah, blah, blah. No, like if you want to get Urban Meyer, you have to be fully committed, 100%. We all are going to do, now we're all on the same page. We're all going to do everything in our power to bring Urban Meyer in. Like Coach Het said, you know, fly him on the jet and, and say, whatever you got to do, you do that. And then USC has to put that in front of Urban Meyer and make him say no. And he very well may say no. And you, if USC puts in their best effort, that's all you can do. Then if you have to go out and get somebody else, you get Matt Campbell or Matt Rule or uh, James Franklin or, or PJ Fleck or whoever you go after next, you've said that you've, you know, we, hey, we tried to get Urban Meyer. We put in the most you know, aggressive package we've ever put together as a university for a football coach. We've never done that before. And you know, he decided because of health reasons, he's not going to go back into coaching. Whatever it is, to me, coach, you have to just make him say no. But on the, the what USC has to do and what all USC fans, the only thing you can be concerned about is USC puts a, an A effort into doing it and you try to lure him away. Don't let him say no. But he might say no still. And if, if you tried your best, and put it all on the table, then that's all you can do. And Ryan, you're right. You've got to want someone to be feel wanted, okay? If someone is feel, feels wanted, that is good. You don't want someone to feel they got hired but they had no other choice, they couldn't go any other way. You want a whole trustee thing unanimously. This administration unanimously the stamp of approval on this then all of a sudden the alumni will put the anonymous or you know the anonymous uh, uh, this is the guy tickets will go up I'm telling you right now you don't hire him your ticket sales are going down Yeah. and if you hire him they're going to go up so uh, make that decision yeah agree with you 100% there coach Uh, we got one uh, last question and then we'll uh We'll end the show. This one is from, oops, sorry, wrong one there. Uh, this one is from Steve, uh, USC class of 1986. He says, God may be a Trojan, but karma is his girlfriend. He says, hey, Ryan and Coach Harvey, seeing Coach Orgeron, John Robinson, and Kenichi Daisy on the sideline for LSU and thinking about how they, along with Kiffin and Sark, were terminated from USC, I'm reminded of Martin Luther King Jr.'s quote, and it says, quote, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. It would explain the current state of affairs of the football program. Thanks, gentlemen. Keep up the good work. Uh, Steve, class of 86 from Pasadena. Well, let me tell you, it always starts at the top. 
And the president didn't know what he was doing. Nice guy. The past two ADs really didn't know what they were doing. Nice guys. But they were looking not for the best interest of someone who could maybe overshadow them and maybe somebody that could bring something to the university that was bigger than they did, not that they didn't bring big things. And you can't be intimidated by that. You have to welcome people to the huddle to make you a better team, to make you have more pride, to make you want to do things for the university and all the different things that go along with this great university. So we're sitting and waiting. It's like having a baby. When are you going to have it? Are you, are you going to induce labor or what? And I think this is what we're all waiting for. Yeah, uh, completely waiting. <laughs> That's what it is, Coach, and uh, just waiting for that. And the leadership has been a real issue. And we love to see a guy like Coach O uh, having so much success. Um, he's, he's just a great dude. And, uh, I, you know, didn't like what USC did at the time. And, but very happy for him. Everything kind of happens for a reason. You believe in all that karma stuff and it's working out great for coach Ed Orgeron right now. So, and you know, wasn't working out all that great for USC, but I think now that you're making some better decisions, hiring an actual athletic director, things should start to fall into place. You hire a head coach that was desired that other universities at your level, other football programs that are at your level of USC Hire someone that those programs would hire, better things are going to happen. Um, when you hire people that no one else was going to hire, and that's what USC's typically been doing, you're gonna you're most likely you're gonna run into problems. And uh that's what that's what's been happening. Ryan, I'll tell you what we've tried to do an honest uh, to give our opinion of the state of the program. And uh we have not personally endorsed any type of firing or anything else. All we've done is answer your questions and give you our opinion. So I want you to know that because uh, this is a difficult thing to talk about at times. But again, uh, we feel as though we should tell you our thoughts. Yeah. So Ryan, I'll tell you what, leave this one up for a while. We're in this podcast, so... They, they stay up forever, tell Coach. Friends. <laughs> tell them... Tell them to pass the word around so that when they're asked, well, what do you think's happening? Tell them, here's here. Go to uscfootball.com and listen to that podcast. Yeah. I think we answered it all. We did, Coach. All right. Well, great stuff. And, uh, yeah, we keep up the podcast for perpetuity. They're always up there. Um, but thanks so much, Coach, for coming on and uh, looking forward to maybe seeing you this weekend when USC takes on uh, UCLA. Thank you, bud. Good luck and have a great day. And for all of you out there, buckle up. All right, buckle up, everybody. Thanks. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.
Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.